and I've got Aaron. Thank you so much for being here. Really nice to meet Hi, you. Hi, Liam. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Great to connect and uh, crack on with this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was saying to you before we started, I'm really excited about this conversation in particular because, um, as the title suggests, we're going to be talking about how hospitality businesses can use retail um, and some of the ways that they can kind of capitalise on that. I'm re- the, the reason I'm excited is because we as an organisation, Pillar, we we targeted hospitality and retail and we deal with both of them specifically because I think that these two markets are blending into one. You know, I think there's a massive opportunity for, for hospitality to do retail and retail to do hospitality. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, just before we do, could you just give us sort of like 60 to 90 seconds on who you are, what your role is, and I guess your interest in this topic? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, my name's Aaron, and I'm uh, one of the directors of Cater Sales. We've, uh, we've been in business for 25 years this year, and we're super specialised in the hospitality sector for fit out, uh, design and build. And we've found a, a niche within coffee shops specifically, but we deal a lot with um, other QSR and obviously integrating retail into that. Um, and yeah, we've, we've covered over 3000 sites in that time. Uh, we've seen a lot of what works, what doesn't wow. work. So that's me. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, what you said in the opening about retail and the uh, hospitality sector blending is just, I mean, it's because hospitality brands are becoming lifestyle brands and people want to buy into that and they want to engage in that. So it's a great, great topic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a perfect example for me is, um, you, do you know Hotel Chocolat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had, yeah. I think so, uh, we had a banter about that because... Um, you, you're you're a retail buyer, but I'm or sorry, you're a hot chocolate buyer, but I'm a retail buyer, and I've never done the other. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I go, so I go in there and I buy hot chocolates, but I, I, for some reason, I never buy a box of chocolates. But um, obviously, there's people like yourselves who go in and they buy hot chocolates. Sorry, boxes of chocolates, but maybe would never buy a coffee or whatever yeah. it is. So to me, that brand is hospitality in my eyes. Yeah. But to you and a lot of other people, it's retail. And there'll be a lot of coffee shops. A lot of our customers are coffee shops and, you know, even like um, bars and things like that. And I'm seeing them putting delis in there um, or they're putting sort of, you know, stands with, um, you know, little retail outlets and stuff. And I'm seeing some of them do it really well. Yeah. And then I'm seeing some of them do it just okay. And then I'm seeing some of them not doing it at all. So... I want you to start this for us by just telling us what are you seeing that people when people don't do very well. Okay, so where where are the big opportunities that people are missing? Okay, so there's um, I suppose this is twofold. The, I mean, the first angle is some people aren't doing it well purely from the point of view that they're putting a few products on the shelf somewhere in the shop. Uh, it's a bit of an afterthought, and it's just chucked on the side, and they. They go, they say, well, that's my retail. And then you ask them how it's doing. And they say, no one really wants to buy. No one really wants to buy product. That's the typical response that we get. Um, people want to just come and grab a coffee. People want to come and just grab a hot chocolate. Um, and they're not really working very hard to engage the client in with the retail in the same way that they would spend a lot of time to engage the client with the, the main product offering they're putting forward. Um, so that's the first bad way that people are uh, are trying to bring retail into their sites. Um, But 
apart from that, there's also sometimes there's really good quality retail, but it's just placed in the wrong way. And that's that can be done by really big brands as well. Um, so I, I was in Milan about uh, three weeks ago for Host, which is a huge industry exhibition, happens every two years. And part of me being in Milan, I really wanted to go to the Starbucks roastery store in Milan, which is like world famous now, you know. And I went in there and I'm queuing up, I'm queuing up for 10, 15 minutes to get some food. And there's all this amazing retail in there, but it's just out of reach. And it's such a missed opportunity by brands, big and small. They put together a fantastic retail offering and then they disengage it from the queuing system. And it takes away that ability for people in the queue to then just grab those products. And all you have to do is go into Tesco, go into Sainsbury's, stand in the queue for a self-checkout. You see all of those products that are just at, at your fingertips. And that that's there for a reason. I mean, Im impulse purchasing is is huge it's a, it's a big uh, big part of how we spend um, and if you don't facilitate that impulse purchase then you're missing a trick right so um, in I, I'm not sure about for broader hospitality but certainly in the coffee sector average spend is like £8.50 ish um, per transaction so that's, that's across the country um, so if you can sell a bag of beans, for example, for £15 at 60% margin on top of one in five of those or one in 10 of those, suddenly your business model transforms quite a lot. Um, and I think operators aren't taking that seriously enough at the moment. Mm. It's interesting. I'd not really thought about the impact of impulse purchases in hospitality because I guess to some degree, or maybe all, all all the way actually. Retail purchases in a hospitality venue are always impulse, probably, yeah. because nobody goes into a coffee shop to buy a retail product generally, unless it's kind of, you know, maybe, maybe the coffee shop is a roastery as well, and that's a bit different, but for the vast majority of hospitality businesses like coffee shops, they're putting the retail in there and the only way it's going to be sold is via an impulse because I, did, I went in for a coffee and I've just seen this other thing. Yeah, and I, I can expand on that a bit because, um, I mean, we, we apply the same principles to uh, food sales within coffee shops, to cake sales, configuring that sequence in the correct way, making sure that cakes are near the till so it's while people are lingering and they just have that little impulse of, a little sweet treat and um, this, the second most popular reason for impulse purchase is to treat yourself uh, number one being it was too good a deal to pass up um, but to give to give you some some stats on it I mean a quarter of adults in the UK impulse purchase once a week and the average the average price of that impulse purchase is 30 pounds so people feel comfortable just on a whim, parting with £30. So that, that works really well for hospitality and retail because generally the price point of those items that you're trying to sell are around that price price mark or a bit lower. So it's a really comfortable zone for people to increase their spend uh, in, in those sites. Yeah. So potentially the, the impulse retail purchase could actually be bigger than the spend that they would make on your 
you know, let's call it like um, primary product, which might be an eight pound fifty coffee, as you said before. Yeah, and it's um, it's bigger for for many reasons, not just financial. I mean, um, you don't you don't have to do a lot of maths to realise that if if someone's spending thirty pounds and then the person in front of them is just spending like eight pounds on average, like we just said, that you want the customer that's spending the thirty pounds. But it's not just about that monetary value; it's also about if they're spending that money with you, they're then taking that product home, they're engaging with your brand at home, um, they're becoming more and more invested in, in your brand. And there are some sites that are doing that really, really well. Um, and uh, I mean, Coffee Pods, for example, has been a just a great outlet for that. Um, mm. There's there's chains like Grind uh, who, you know, all of a sudden... They're being sold far and wide online for their coffee pods, but that started off as in-store impulse purchase. Um, I think Watch House are going to be bringing out something similar. Um, and it's, it's really all about that brand engagement. And we spoke right at the beginning about hospitality brands becoming lifestyle brands, and that all plays into it. And you, you really, if you can get your clients to be engaging with you when they're not just in your store, then that's absolute gold. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. So, I guess we we're going to move on to the bit where you're going to tell us how businesses can do it a bit better. And I might be jumping the gun a bit here, but I'm assuming you're going to talk mostly about the layout being a sort of a big opportunity. And go back to that brand that we were talking about before. I'll just put this on the table for you to think about as well. So, I've got two hotel chocolates near me. So I've got one in Liverpool city centre and then sort of equidistant the other way. I've got one in Cheshire Oaks, which is like a big um, a big retail outlet off, off a motorway. Now, the one in Liverpool, it's kind of split in half. So when you go in front door, you've got to go left to the coffee shop area and then you've got to go right purposefully to to essentially like the retail um, room, if you like, you know, so it's, it's completely split. And I never, ever go into that retail room because it's just not what I've got in for. But then the one in Cheshire Oaks is sort of like more of a lin- like a long linear room. So you've got to actually walk through all of the chocolates to get to the counter where I would pick up my coffee. And then actually they've only, they've only got outside seating. But the point being, I've got to walk through the chocolates. Um, and I think my wife actually may have bought some chocolates in, in that one. So I'm kind of maybe proven a theory that maybe you're about to, to talk about, which is like layout makes a massive difference, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess I'm uh, talking about layout now. <laughs> I think, um, it's, it's interesting what you said. I mean, most uh, most of the hotel chocolate stores, they are, I kind of feel like the uh, the drink offering is a bit of an afterthought. They're primar- primarily retail. And then when they're in a, in a yeah. larger site and they feel they've got the scope for it, they almost create a separate business. They create a cafe that's on the side. And I guess that's what, what you're alluding to. So in in broad terms, what we can say in the, in, with regards to layout is that the more you can integrate those two spaces, the better. And that can be really problematic because you have a conflict of interest, right? So I'm going in to buy my wife a box of chocolates and I need to just nip in, grab the box of chocolates and leave. I don't really want to be sat behind someone in the queue who's pondering whether they want hot chocolate with this type of cream or the other. Um, So it's important to create 
the retail opportunities in the areas that are the slowest within the queuing system and within the shop as well. So we can we can use dividers within the shop to to route people around the shop in the way we want them to be routed without them feeling like they're being routed around the shop and that's the real critical part and I suppose at the end of the day that's why there are people like me about who 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 do it and have done it for a long time um but it is really it's all about understanding your customer and understanding what their primary reason for going into the shop is because customers will tend to gravitate towards that point at the very instance that they enter the shop. So if you know that that's going to be their directive, you straight away know the path from the the front door to wherever that point is. And then all you need to do is then from that point, pick up an angle in the shop where you want to take them. It might be to a till, it might be to another piece of retail or customer experience type of area and, and tactically place dividers so that it makes it more awkward for them to not go that route. And, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a blockade it just has to make the route you want them to go feel more comfortable um and just on a on a basic psychological level people will follow that most easy comfortable route um so in terms of broad layout that's kind of how we look at it we look at guiding people in that way in a coffee shop or qsr instance that first point is always the something that's self-service so you think about any time you go into a costa anytime you go into a starbucks self-service is generally right at the front and it's it's always the thing that people go to first um and it's all that's also really good because when people are going to stand there and ponder pick product up look at it decide if it's the one they want or not um that's the slow part and it allows people to bypass other customers who might be blocking blocking that uh, route through to the till um, and that that helps customers feel like they can get through quickly if they need to um, the worst thing possible would be to put uh, a retail product that is of a high price point so it's it's not your impulse uh, that requires a lot of interaction so let's say it's a complex product right near the till because you'd have um you'd have a customer who's say one from the till they're picking up this product they're starting to look at it they're umming and ahhing whether they want to purchase it they're trying to work out what it does etc etc and before they know it actually the till's free they're holding the queue up people behind them getting frustrated, etc. So the retail that's within that queuing system always needs to be accessible, it needs to be lower value, it needs to be easily recognizable as well, and this really fit into that impulse uh, purchase category. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, you see all this all of the time, but you don't, certainly, you know, me, because I'm not in, the in, in in your industry, you don't, put the thought behind it but it's like when you're in Tesco or Asda you know it's always sort of chewing gum and yeah really sort of um I guess low value um so most products but there's no obstacles to buying them no not at all and and the thing is that they those stores those companies know that the obstacle for most sites is is the the volume of customers rather than the value of the transaction because it's the human interaction that takes the time. It's the working out how to pay. It's the it's all it's all of that stuff. So, if we can increase our spend per head, we're going to be a lot more profitable, and our turnover is going to go up a lot more than if we try and serve more customers. So, it 
it's kind of similar to a marketing strategy, I suppose, of trying to leverage your existing customers rather than trying to look to draw new customers in. And that's what you should be doing first and foremost. And it's linked to special offers and uh, discounts when you, you know, you get beans when you're buying a coffee or whatever the relationship might be, you know, getting a bit of money off your box of chocolates when you've bought a hot chocolate, etc. Those little things that might tempt you. Um, and actually, I think if you'd bought a box of chocolates from Hotel Chocolate, you probably would have bought more because they are good chocolates. It's just you have never been incentivized or you've never been triggered to buy it in the first place. So for, for you personally, it might be that you want like a, a two pound box of chocolates there that's just a, a few pieces um, that you get a bit of a discount with um, that you can you can grab uh, while you're right next to the till about to buy the hot chocolate and that might be all, all you need in terms of a push um, and all of a sudden that that brand then becomes part of you know your lifestyle and part of what what you like and they're not just hot chocolate anymore for you they're they're more than that um, I mean, I'll go back to the coffee industry as well, just because that's where a lot of uh, our experience lies. But um, 70% of households now have coffee machines at home. So that that's a massive market that these hospitality businesses are missing. Um, and about a quarter of all coffee now is specialty coffee. Uh, in terms of cups served, so if you you weigh up specialty coffee against all the big brands, I mean that's huge. That's you know it's grown so quickly, and a lot of that is driven by the way people are consuming those products at home and interacting with them at home. And quite frankly, home baristas are probably better now than commercial baristas were five to ten years ago. Um, and it, that level of education, that level of product engagement is leading to people wanting to purchase more in terms of those retail products to up their game at home. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we just want to make this really simple and kind of manageable and bite-sized, I guess, for an operator who's listening because there's so much good stuff that we've just been through there. But let's assume we've got a coffee shop or a QSR um, operator who's listening and they're thinking, do you know what, actually, I do want a piece of this. I, I, I want to install some retail into my business. Can you just, from in a sort of a layman's terms, what's the first few steps that you would recommend that they think about? Okay, so um, I'd say... Pick a pick a relatively narrow product range. Um, keep the the price point twenty pounds or below, um, and make sure your staff are trained on those products and they understand those products in the same way as you would with any other product that you're selling over the counter. Um, and then place those products. Get get yourself a small island unit, like a you know it could even be a small bookcase or something like that. It doesn't have to be sophisticated. Um, and just place it alongside the queuing system and put those products on there. Make sure it's not right up against the till. Set it further back so that it's where people have got time but they're not under pressure to pay and just see what happens. Um, and that, that is just such an easy, basic thing for you to do. And quite frankly, there's no excuse for not trying it. Like, <laughs> you're, 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 you've got business there waiting to be taken and waiting to be capitalized on and if you're sat there listening to this podcast and you're thinking oh yeah but it won't work in my store and you're coming up with those barriers um the 
problem is probably your willingness to try it than anything else. You know, it's proven, it's being done all the time and it's, it's there for you to have a go at. Hopefully that keeps it simple. Mm, definitely. I mean, that's a really, really manageable start, isn't it? Just, okay, so we, let's imagine that that listener's almost there now. <laughs> just give us um, just give us a, a case study or someone who, you've mentioned a couple already, but maybe somebody a bit smaller who's actually done this really well. Okay, yeah, sure. So uh, uh, one that comes to mind is we, we work with a, a, a kind of local roaster that's down in... Uh, in uh, Sussex way and um, they, they start off as a coffee shop I mean they, they're a roaster but the main business activity in that site was being a coffee shop and they always had retail they, they actually always had good quality retail so it wasn't well placed but it was um, it, the actual products themselves were, were good they were on brand uh, they communicated the, the values of that brand really well um, because we haven't spoken about that but that's really important as well like you know, make sure they align with your brand values. Don't don't put. I mean, if you're like an eco-conscious place, don't put a load of plastic stuff in there. <laughs> it sounds really basic, but it's important. Yeah. Um, and they were just seeing that retail was was becoming more and more engaged with by their customers, but they didn't have a they didn't have a good platform for engaging with their customers uh, with the retail. It was always too uh, intense in terms of it was like what someone was trying to grab a coffee and they were trying to ask a question so for for that client we actually did a, a complete refurbishment for them which created a, a retail shopping area within that site so we've still got some in, integrated retail within the the rest of the shop but there's what i describe as some immersive retail which is within the the seating area and it's it's manned it's a place you can go really low pressure you can have a chat about product um and uh you can get advice on the product uh, and and you can go and buy some great coffee you can go and buy some great product but it's it it's within the seating space so you're sat there having a cup of coffee, having some lunch, and you, you're looking at it. You're engaging with it. You're, you've got that time to process, and that's that's really what we're talking about in terms of getting people to engage with your retail. Often, people want to see it two, three, four times before they actually purchase. So, don't imagine you're going to put that bookcase or whatever it might be there and people are just going to start queuing and buying straight away it might be on the third visit it might be on the fourth visit but if you can place retail in a scenario where people can you know they can look at it they can digest it they can understand what the offer is they can kind of talk themselves into the fact that they need it <laughs> and and they can start to believe that it's like really essential part of their purchase uh, purchase experience in your shop then that will manifest its, itself in, in, in a really positive way. And, and for this client, who, the, the name of the place is Limfield Coffee Works. Shout out to them because they're a great roaster and um, the shop's awesome as well. Um, but, but they've now created this complete dedicated retail space and um, it's a good percentage of their turnover. I, I, I'm, I, I won't disclose their numbers, but it's a good percentage of their turnover. It's, it's a high enough percentage of turnover that it warranted a mini refurbishment of the whole shop and well, you shouldn't ignore it. Yeah, well, definitely. No, that sounds significant. 
Let's leave it there. I think we've we've um, we've laid out a good plan for somebody to get started there with some really good benefits. So, thank you so much for your time. If anybody's um, interested in connecting with you, Aaron, then your LinkedIn bio is going to be in the show notes. So feel free, listener, to to head over and connect with Aaron. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, great. no worries. And if anyone wants to drop me a message, like I'm more than happy to have a chat and always interested to see what other people are doing. So don't be shy. Superb. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you, mate.